Hello and welcome to the ETOF21 Sports Podcast. My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF21 Sports. You can find my work on Twitter at ETOF21 Sports. Cover everything there. Instagram at ETOF21 Sports underscore. For horse racing at ETOF21 Sports underscore horse underscore racing. We hit a huge pick five yesterday from Turfway Park. Gave out two winners, one winner from Sam Houston. And for all the fantasy football and just sports takes inside my weird, weird mind, at etof 21 sports underscore fantasy. How is everybody doing today on this lovely January 23rd? Loaded day of sports. Loaded day. We got college football. Great card. Plays have been sent out to members. We got UFC plays sent out to members. We got horse racing. Aqueduct. Golfstream already posted. Going to be attacking Oaklong, Turfway, Sam Houston. Oh my God, what a day of sports. And then tomorrow, we got a couple big football games, boys. We got a couple big football games tomorrow. So I just want to dive right into it. First of all, I would like to thank Gino Bacala for having me on the That's What G Said podcast on Thursday. Him and I talked about the games. I kind of talked about where my mind is and everything, what I'm looking to do. My plays have been sent out to my members. We we get on lines early, boys. That's what we like to do. I will be on the That's What G Said podcast, I think, before the Super Bowl. And then also talking some NBA. Also, big announcement. Our boy, Off the Post Boston Sports. He's going to be coming on the 13th of February. And him and I are going to be talking a little Daytona 500. So I'm really looking forward to that. If you guys have been... Any questions in terms of betting or for fantasy for Daytona 500, please shoot them to me and we will discuss them during that podcast. But on the Gino Bacala podcast, I talked about buying points because I let everyone know I'm really at a conundrum what to do with this Kansas City and Buffalo game. Now, here's my thing with buying points. Now, I'm on this group chat with a bunch of guys, an insane amount of dudes, way more guys than I should be. But I was invited and I said, why not? You know, maybe you learn some, some something because the worst thing you can have as a better is not being willing to learn. I have learned a lot from a lot of people and that's how I got into betting. I grew up in a small town. There's a casino, a horse track, me being me. I was interested and I've always been tall for my age. Was able to get a fake ID, sneak into the casino, learn some stuff went to the horse track and I learned about the horse racing and betting and then I made some great friends on Twitter where I was able to pick their brains and they told me how they cap games, how they look at stuff. So you got to always be constantly involving. So I was like, hey, why not go on this thing? Maybe some guys will teach me some stuff. And oh my God, there's this heated debate about buying points. And I mentioned, like I said, on the Gino Bacala podcast, you should never buy points. And here's why. I'm going to make this very cut and dry. The number one rule of betting is what? You play the number. So if you can't get the two and a half, you can't get the three and a half, you don't get the number, okay, tough luck. Now, if you cap it after you go through the stuff that you go through and you see value at the three because you tap because you cap the game, let's say we're talking about the Kansas City Buffalo, let's say you cap the game at Kansas City winning by six points. So then you'd see value in the three. But if you cap it at three, there's no value. So you don't have the number. So you just have to push away and not do it. But you get these guys that buy the number. And then instead of playing minus 110 odds, that gets juiced up. And now your break even point 
has risen. Now, break-even points are important to understand because a good better, I think I'm pretty good, and I win 56% of the time. But we play long shots, we play money lines, so that's why we're able to get to that low of a percentage and have a huge ROI point. Huge. But you see these guys who play by the point, get the juice up to minus 130, minus 135. So now their break-even point raises from 55% to about 57. And the more and more they do that, it gets closer to that 60% range. And guys, I have news for you. Nobody, absolutely fucking nobody, is picking 60% winners. And if they tell you they're picking over 60% winners, they're fucking full of shit. Case in point, Vegas Dave. Case in point, Cody Covers dude. Those motherfuckers are nowhere near that. I hate to break it to you, but that's just the way it is. So that's why it's important to, A, if you don't get the number you want, to have to sit out a game. And I get it. Like, it sucks. It's a big game. You want to have some a dog in the fight. You want to have action. But with how the sports world is right now, and there's so many sport sporting options, all the offshore stuff, all the fan duel, points bet, DraftKings, rivers whatever you have live odds now so what i'm doing in that game is i'm just going to be live trading so instead of buying points i'm just going to be live trading and finding a middle and try to create value there and that is a way better option than this buying point stuff it's amazing to me how many people with big followings are advocating buying points that is the most idiotic thing to do and I will say it, if you buy points or if you advocate to buy points, that just tells me how clueless of a better you actually fucking are. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is all these guys doing promos all of a sudden. Here's the funny thing to me. I get approached numerous times, numerous. I had one last night I woke up to this morning about these sports books that say, hey, we have a business opportunity for you. Will you direct your traffic to us and we will give you a kickback of how much the player deposits or if the player loses, we'll give you a kickback. And I always say no. I always say no because I'm not going to do that with a company that A, I don't do business with and B, I'm not going to profit off a recommendation to you guys. To me, that's just a Bush League move and something I would never ever do if you guys ask me what sports book i'll be glad to tell you what sports book i use but i'm not getting any motherfucking kickback from it and you see these guys that are just pushing points bet fan duel uh us bet um whatever and you guys need to realize they're doing that because if you guys deposit 50 they get 25 back they aren't generally betting at places like that they're just using that for a kickback case in point um i'm not gonna say this guy's name he's got a huge following (laughs) he always promotes pony buying the point so you know this guy has no idea what the fuck he's doing and he says to do it at points bet why he says do it at points bet and he gives you a promo tone why think about it he gets money from how much you deposit or how much you lose When I get approached by these books, they're like, hey, we can give you a kickback of 
you get so so many people will give you 10% of their deposit or will give you god I had one book offer me 15% of how much people lose and I always like I said I always turn it down but it's just crazy to me how people just don't realize that like you got Clay Travis who's like oh deposit at FanDuel you'll get 50% point in I mean granted that guy owns a business so it's a bad example but those guys get a fucking kickback, guys. That's what we need to realize. So if you guys want a good book, hey, I will get, gladly give you my recommendations on books. I'll tell you what books to use, which books I don't like to use, which books I like their features on certain lines and whatnot. I'll be glad to show share that stuff. Fucking glad. And I'll admit it. Like, Five Dimes got a lot of shit from a lot of people, but Five Dimes had phenomenal NASCAR lines and... They had phenomenal lines, live, first half money line. Phenomenal. And I have not found another book since I got kicked out of there that offered that type of value. And people are like, Eric, why do you do Bovada? I'll be honest. I've gotten kicked out of Bovada numerous fucking times. Numerous times. But I have to start opening up accounts like in my sister's name, get kicked out of there, brother's name. You know, my mom. I have an account now there under my mom's name. Why? Because they're the only book I know that offers no goal first period. And that's my favorite bet in hockey. And a lot of books don't offer it. I love it in the playoffs. And the odds are great. Funny story. I'm here in Chicago and there's a local bookie here. And I have been blacklisted here in Chicago because of that bet. And that was years ago during the when the Kings and Blackhawks, I think it was their second run where they had... The uh, there there's three years in a row where they kept meeting in the playoffs, and it was the second year I believe where they had that run, and I got cut off. That was my first year being aware of this bet, and I got it through this guy. And this oh my god, this guy was so shady. It was so funny. Like end of the week, he get a message and he'd be like, "Roll over, cash out." And you know, I would cash out just because I didn't really know the guy, <laughs> and it's everything seems shady as fuck to me. So. He would text you a random location and he would say, be there. And then it would always be some random person that would come up and give you a vanilla envelope. I mean, I'd be in Chinatown. I'd be in the South Loop. I'd be in Wrigleyville. I mean, there'd be some weird ass locations I'd go to and I'd get money. And it would always be a different person in a vanilla envelope. So here you are in the middle of Chicago. Some person asks you, just walks by, asks, hey, are you Eric? Ask, gives me an envelope and disappears. I can't be counting this money. <laughs> and so it's just, I don't know, it's just a weird thing. And then eventually, like, the guy cut me off and then I found Bovada did it. So I've just been using them for that. But a lot of different line books offer great features. So if you guys need help finding a book or books I recommend, I mean, I'll be more than happy to lay that out for you guys. Now, let's transition a little bit to the NFL in terms of coaching hires, my Lions hired one of the worst coaching hires I can remember. Dan Campbell wasn't even top 10 in anyone's list of coaches, and they hire him. Now, people don't understand why. Well, listen to the guy talk and what he says about smash mouth football, breaking off kneecaps, and who was in charge of the Lions hiring process? Chris Spielman. So Spielman sees that. And he's like, oh, hey, we're going to get a culture. We're going to build up the culture. This guy's culture will transcend. People run through a 
Mountain for him. People, the players weren't doing that with Patricia. But what no one seems to understand is winning builds a culture, not a guy that builds a WWE promo. This guy has done fucking nothing to show that he is worthy of being a head coach. And the fact that he did the interim head coach in Miami and he's been with the Saints for the last, oh my God, what, four years? And he never gets an interview never gets hired and now he does shows how fucking awful this hire actually fucking is especially when you have joe brady just sitting there guys joe brady is going to be an unbelievable coach at this level eric Bieniemy. now granted because of nagy and peterson i'm not that high on Bieniemy, but i think he deserves a job more than dan fucking campbell brian the the guy from the bills the offensive coordinator he would have been great and the Lions went with Dan fucking Campbell. It's just, I, I, I can't fathom how bad of a fucking hire this is. And that introductory press conference was a joke. It, it's, it's just an awful hire. There, there's no positive spin you can put on it. I see the people on Twitter, and yeah, I'm a member of Lions Twitter. Fuck yeah, I'm a fucking Lions fan. And they're trying to say, oh, this is a good hire. It will work, blah, 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 blah. Here's the thing. We live in a cancel culture right now. So everyone's afraid to really tell how they feel because they're afraid it's going to come back on you. Fuck that noise. If you guys feel something and you think something, fucking say it. I got dragged through the fucking mud when I said CHE was too small, wouldn't make it through a season. Tua sucked. He wasn't going to be any good. Skafanski, yeah, you know, he could be an adult in a room, but he's going to be able to manage in-game situations. Oh, my God. I get slammed all the time. Slammed all the time when I said that shit. Now, looking at what we know, was I right or wrong? I was right. Say what you guys feel. If you guys feel if a coaching hire is a bad fucking hire, fucking say it. And I feel this is a bad fucking hire, and I don't see a situation when it goes right. Could I be wrong? Yeah. I could be wrong. I thought Justin Jefferson wasn't going to struggle this year in the NFL if he had to play the outside. He played great. That, that's on me. Herbert, I had questions about Herbert because Oregon only ran the screen games. They had the highest percentage of screen passes last year in college football. So I really questioned Herbert's ability to throw the ball long. So there's times I'm wrong, but I'm going to be right more times than other. So we, we can't be afraid to live in this cancel fucking culture. If like you say something and it's wrong, people are going to fucking hate on you. Guys, I'll post my messages. I get hated all the time, and I give fucking two left nuts. Say what you feel, and then move on. And I feel this Dan Campbell hire is fucking idiotic. There's way better candidates, and he's going to be fired within two motherfucking years. And the Lions wasted Matt Stafford's fucking career. That's how I feel. And let's see what happens. I put it on tape. I'm putting it out there. How do you guys feel? What do you guys think about it? Now, for you, those of you that are new... Every year at the end of the NFL, I go over my quarterback tiers. I have tier one, tier two, tier three. Tier one, superstar, elevates the people around him. Tier two, starter, serviceable, you know, can win with the right pieces. Tier three, you know, you're replaceable. You fucking suck. So I'm going to go over these tiers right now. Tier three, let's start out. I mean, Tua, this guy, can all, he has no arm strength, hitch in the motion, small, and... For him to be successful, he's going to need a West Coast offense 
and it bases off the run game. Tua, definitely replaceable Cam. Huge step back. Start off the year great after the COVID-19. He just was a shell of himself and basically just a power runner right now. Definitely replaceable. Obviously, Sam Darnold. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. It amazes me that people still think this kid has what it takes to be in the NFL. I said it after I heard a combine interview with him. This guy would not be anything. Leadership skills, any ball accuracy. I mean, granted, he's got an arm, makes one good throw every two games, and everyone's on his nutsack. And he's not showing he can be a proven winner in this league at all. Gardner Minshew, he was just there to try to help sell tickets. I mean, ball sack hanging out, little little shorts. He was there to sell tickets for to distract the Jakes fans. I mean, I'm calling the spade a spade. Backup quarterback, if that, in the league. Drew Locke. Now, I was really high on Locke coming into this year. I like the way he throws the ball, but his decision-making on and off the field are just awful. And by not wearing a mask, he basically eliminated the Broncos from a playoff position. And to be my quarterback, you need to be smart on and off the field. And Locke has shown he's not that. Next one is Alex Smith. I mean, great story coming back from the leg injury. Not as mobile, can't run as much, You know, doesn't throw the ball downfield as much. So because of that, he's in this group. Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones, I mean, didn't take a step forward at all. Too many picks, too many bad decisions in the pocket. Good athlete, though. Jalen Hurts. Guys, Jalen Hurts sucks. He came in. Yeah, they won a couple games. Ball accuracy is awful. He's a good mobile quarterback that could run, and that's it for college. But his arm strength and accuracy don't have what it takes to be in the league. Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Dewgloves, anyone that has listened to me about two gloves knows what I feel about this guy. Great story, but he's just not fast, and his ball has no, no sing on, sling on it. Jimmy G, I've been saying this for a while. Uh, some guy posted, said, I know nothing about football. Well, the Niners are looking to move on from Jimmy G, buddy. So it goes back to my original point. If you guys say something, put it out there. Put it on tape. You know, let people know. Who cares if you're right or wrong? If you guys have a feeling, say it. Jimmy's G doesn't have the decision making, and he cannot throw the ball across the field. Tier two, Kyler Murray. Um, I like the way he doesn't turn the ball over, but... He still doesn't throw the ball enough mobile, but he needs to show me that he can stay in the pocket and win games, and that's what hurt the Cardinals toward the end of the season. Jared Goff struggles with pressure in his face, but I feel if you have a good running game around them, he'll win. It's kind of tough to judge him how the season ended because of his thumb. He really couldn't throw the ball. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Guy can sling, and if he has a good defense, he can win. Guys, I am telling you right now, if Fitzpatrick would have stayed in the starting lineup instead of Tua, the Dolphins would have made the playoffs. Matt Ryan, geez, I was high on this guy going into the season, but without Julio Jones, this guy really does struggle. Without Julio, it's kind of like his little security blanket. It's going to have another offensive coordinator. Wouldn't surprise me if he changes teams because Arthur Smith likes to run that RPO. Drew Brees can't throw the ball down the field. That's it. He's retiring anyway. Uh, Curdy Cousins. Good play action. But Kubiak's leaving. So 
is the next run next offensive coordinator he is he going to have the zone running scheme and the play action to make cousins effective if you rely on cousins to throw the ball more than 25 times a game you you can't win mitch trubisky yeah i know people think he sucks but guys he's been in the league for what five years now and he has a division title and two playoff experience appearances and he basically led him to the win against the Eagles, but their defense couldn't get a stop, and the Eagles, you know, ended up winning the game. And he did drive him down for a field goal. So as much as everyone wants to hate on Trubisky, I really think the guy with a good defense and the correct offense, this guy is a serviceable guy in the league, and he's showing that. I really think that he's going to end up going to Atlanta. He's going to back up Ryan. He's going to be Ryan Tannehill 2.0, as I said numerous times. Next one, Carson Wentz. This is why expectations need to be kind of tampered. When Wentz was doing good, everyone was comparing him to Tom Brady and Rodgers. He was never that. And he got hurt, back got messed up, and the expectation just got too much. And with the injuries to the offensive line this year, he really struggled. Then they drafted Hurts, and he couldn't handle it. He was just looking over his shoulder all year. But I really feel, like I said, in the right system, with the right offensive coordinators, he's going to be fine. But for him to reach his potential, Jalen Hurts needs to be traded so he's not looking over his shoulder. Herbert. Oh, my God. I have never been more wrong in a prospect than Herbert. My big thing with Herbert was his accuracy and him throwing the ball down the field. Because, like I said, Oregon led the league in college with screen passes. Of They ran screen passes 22% of the time, which is fucking absurd. So I really thought they were just doing that because Herbert couldn't sling the ball, but it turns out he can sling the ball like a motherfucker. But I will say the one thing about Herbert, he really doesn't throw you open. He throws to, doesn't throws you when you're open. He doesn't throw you open. He throws it when you are open. Derek Carr, I mean, I feel for the kid because I really feel that Raiders team would have won a Super Bowl back in the day if he didn't get hurt. But he doesn't turn the ball over, doesn't push the ball downfield. He's just a conservative die, and if your defense is legit, he you can win. Honestly, I really feel if you put Carr on the Ravens, the Ravens would have beat the Bills. Phillip Rivers, obviously no arm strength, can't sling it downfield, so that's why he's there. I mean, he did put the Colts in a position to win, but Frank Wright is a fucking moron. He's retired now. It's going to be interesting to see what the Colts do in terms of finding a replacement. Ryan Tannehill. Arthur Smith did him well, put him in RPO action, and, you know, with the running game, he's good. With Derrick Henry, he's good, but Tannehill's not a guy that's going to throw the ball 40 times and lead you to a victory. Joe Burrow loved what I saw from Burrow this year, loved it. And like I said on the Gino Pacala podcast, if the Bengals draft so well, they're going to be next year's Browns if Burrow is healthy. But I really like what I saw. I'm, I'm anticipating a great season from him if he comes back healthy from that injury. Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, I've always been low on. But with the run game that leans on the play action, if you surround him with a good defense, with a good enough pieces, he can win. I mean, obviously the Browns need to address the defensive side of the ball. But with what Skafanski is asking him to do with play action pass, they're fine. But he's just like Cousins. If you ask him to throw over 25 times, you're going to struggle to win. Big Ben. Big Ben I had as a Tier 1 last year. But, I mean, this year, too many turnovers, not throwing the ball downfield as much. He just 
he didn't look the same. He actually needs to retire. I, I love Big Ben. He's done a great job for Pittsburgh, but they need to move on from him. The next two, you know, I went back and forth between Tier 1 and Tier 2. They're either at the bottom of Tier 1 or the top of Tier 2. Dak Prescott. He's got a million weapons, but he never throws you open. He waits until you're open to throw. I question his arm strength a little bit, and he got hurt. I don't even know how he's going to come back. That's why I kind of am tinkering back and forth between Tier 1 and Tier 2 with him. Uh, Also, Lamar Jackson. Now, Lamar needs to throw the ball. And until he improves his arm strength, being able to throw across the numbers, he's always going to be at the top of Tier 2, bottom of Tier 1. He had a chance to take a big step up last game against the Buffalo Bills, but he made that bad throw, and he, when the offense needed him to produce, he couldn't produce with his arm. With his legs, he's great. And I've said it on the Geno Show. What is Baltimore going to do when his contract is up? He's going to want to get paid, and someone's willing to pay him. Are, are you going to fucking move on from Lamar Jackson? It's going to be interesting to see what they do. Tier 1, obviously, Russell Wilson, guys. Great half of the year. Obviously, something happened between him and DK Metcalf. So, hopefully, those two men the bridges. But with what he's able to do, the the schoolyard ball, the winning, he's definitely tier one. Tom Brady. I really thought Brady was going to move down to replaceable. I had Brady as tier two last year. But with the smarts and the pre-snap stuff and just the judgment on the field, he has transcended this Tampa Bay team to a new level. So he moved up to level one. Next one, Matt Stafford. I'll say it for the until I die. If Stafford was on any other organization, he would at least have two Super Bowls by now. What he's able to do with the ball is fucking insane. And probably only Rodgers and Mahomes can do it. But he's stuck in Detroit, and Detroit t- treats him like shit. And unless Watson actually gets out of Houston, what happened to Stafford is what's going to happen to Watson. So, yeah, Matt Stafford, definitely Tier 1. Aaron Rodgers, great season. Granted, he does get a little selfish and audible when it's a run play to pad his numbers. But he, the way he's slinging the ball is just fucking great. Mahomes, best player in the game, no-brainer. Deshaun Watson. In my eyes, Watson's the second-best quarterback in the league. And like I said, Houston's doing to him what Detroit is doing with did with Matt Stafford and still doing. Watson was the fact Watson had that team in basically every game is amazing to me. Stafford had the Lions in every game too. Both teams had ten point leads at multiple times against good teams, and their defenses and coaching staff with their game planning and the the talent around them just couldn't get it done. But yeah, Watson definitely tier one. And lastly, Josh Allen. Josh Allen has made so many improvements in his game. He is way better than I gave him credit for. And he was able to take the coaching and improve, which which is great. So those are my tiers. Tell me if you guys agree, disagree. Let me know what you guys think. So that is it for this week's edition of the ETOF21 podcast. I will be tweeting my thoughts of the game games tomorrow. So make sure you're following me on Twitter. If you guys are interested in sports packages, hit me up. Sports packages are always alive, always willing to help you guys make some money. That's it. Be safe. Be well. I will be back Monday with a reaction Monday from the two games on Sunday.